Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. Hope that the message today by Pastor Gary blesses you and lifts you. Take you to God's Word tonight to um, tell you how the world works all in about 25 minutes. And so if you will, go to Colossians chapter 1 is where we'll be tonight. Colossians chapter 1, when an artist is um, paints a painting, sculpts a sculpture, they put their signature on the sculpture. They put their signature on their work. Sometimes they hide it to where you can't see it. Sometimes they put it in the, out in the open so you can see it. There are some that never signed. Michelangelo never signed his. He said, basically, I'm mine's so good, I don't need to sign it. When you see mine, you'll know it's that good, and you'll know I did it. But there's a reason that artists sign their work. One of the reasons is they're very proud of it. I mean, you can imagine after you've put your heart and soul into something, you want to, you're proud of it, you want to put your signature on it to let folks know that it's yours. Another reason they put their signature on it is to avoid, avoid forgeries. That way nobody else can forge that same particular work. They could probably paint the same thing, but it would not be an original. When they compare their works, all the works that they do, they put their signature so you know the same author wrote and, and designed all those particular works. Now, if that's the case where artists sign their work, my question is, did God sign his work? Did God put his signature on the creation of his hands? Is God's signature on his artistry? Is God's signature all over creation? Galatians chapter 1, we're going we're to answer that question tonight. If you're there, look at verse number 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they're thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Verse 17 says, he's before all things, and in him all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Father, and again in the name of Jesus, I pray and thank you for the word of God, that we have the privilege and the opportunity again to, to grow and to dissect and to digest. I pray that you'll, my mouth will be the pen of a ready writer, that we can speak the word of God with grace and strength. And then the point that you want to make tonight will come across clearly to every single one here. And for all that, before we even do anything else, we give you the thanks and the praise for speaking life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the question is, that's a pretty, pretty tall order to ask the question, how does the world work? If I asked you how does a car work, some of you mechanics, you could tell me exactly how it works. If I told you how a pencil works, some of you who are good writers, you would tell me how a pencil works. But the thing is to say, how does the world work, that seems a little bit more complex. So let's go through it as he said it here, as, he read, as we read it here. The first question we would ask is, well, what did God create? What did he make? What's his artistry? What's his masterpiece? It says that those are things that are visible and invisible. What are the things that are visible? Things that we see. We see the sun. We see the moon. We see the stars. We see oceans. We see mountains. We see animals. Everything that is, God created that. He flung it into existence. He took dust of the earth and he formed mankind as well. It tells us that everything that's invisible, one of the things that we can't see, that God created, the wind. We cannot see wind, but we know God created it. We can't see sails down the molecular level. 
by the human eye, but God created those as well. The DNA in your body cannot be seen by the human eye, but we know this, that Almighty God created the DNA even down to the molecular level of every single human being. It says that He created thrones, every government, God created them. The court system, God put that in place. Kingships, monarchies, God put all those into place. Bible says that He also created dominions, all world powers, every world empire that's ever existed. God put that together. Greece, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Egypt, Rome, the United States of America. God put those together and put them in place for certain seasons and certain times. It says He created principalities, spiritual kingdoms. The kingdom of God is created by Almighty God. Power, the power that was given to police, to, to police people, that's given by God. Power that's given to rulers to rule over people is given by God. Gravity created by God. Solar power created by God. Nuclear power created by God. Black holes, anything else in space created by Almighty God. He created everything that's visible and everything that's invisible in this world. That's His handiwork. That's His masterpiece. So the question is, did He put His signature on it tonight? We're going to go through it. I'm going to show you God put His handiwork in every single aspect of creation. And he created it all for one purpose, and that purpose is for Jesus. So the question that I ask is, does Jesus need all this stuff? Does Jesus really need the sun, the moon, the stars, DNA, and all that? So why would God do that? Why would he go to the, to the extent to create all, the, create all that is for Jesus? And it was created, as the Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 19, it was created that we could glorify God. We could recognize and honor God through creation. Psalms 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Creation is God's way of showing Himself to you. How do you know there's a God? Walk outside and look up at the stars. How do you know there's a God? Go look at that little baby's face that I just looked in. How do you know there's a God? Just walk outside and see the streams and the grass and all that is around. God is a master worker. He's an artist. And the thing is, is the way we know Him is by, by creation and watching Him move and, and move among us and, and all that's created. And then there's creation. And then mankind fell. We see the hand of God in rebellion, trying to bring mankind back to Himself. See, when mankind fell, do you understand that there was a perfect equilibrium? There was a perfect balance in the world. And then mankind fell. And all of a sudden, things became corrupted. You and I, as, as, as humankind, we became corrupted. Our intents, our desires, our motivations became rebellious to God. We no longer wanted to go God's way. We wanted to go our way. And so mankind fell and had to be restored, redeemed, and repurchased. Creation fell as well. When mankind fell, creation fell and sickness was entered into the world. Natural disasters came into the world. The fighting amongst animal, animal races and animal groups became into the world. But the good news in all this is not only is mankind heading, heading towards a place of destruction, mankind's also heading towards a place towards peace. Because all God is in the process of restoring that which has fallen. Listen to this in Isaiah chapter 11 and 6. There's coming a day and an hour in the life that you and I will see and live in that the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling will join together and a little child shall lead them all. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones shall lie down. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be the full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. I don't recommend any of that right now. 
Don't take your child and put him out there and play with the snakes. If you put a cheetah with a lamb, things not going to work out well for the lamb. But one thing that we see is there's God is restoring this world. God's restoring mankind. God's restoring all creation to a time when there's perfect balance and perfect equilibrium once again. And if we look even closer tonight, even closer, we'll see the hand of Jesus, the signature of Jesus in every single aspect of the life that we live in. In creation, you'll see the, the fingerprints of Jesus. In the thrones and governments, you'll see the hand of Jesus. In science, you're going to see the, 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 the workings of Jesus. In the basic cell structures of a human body, we're going to see the story and the life of Jesus. Because the Bible says, if by Him and for Him all things were created. Now, Let's start off with government tonight. In America, somebody, somebody has to die for others to be free. In America, somebody has to die so that other people can be free. It's a principle that we see. Two months ago, I went to Washington, D.C. for the first time. And one of the first things that we did, we walked through Arlington National Cemetery. If you're not familiar with Arlington National Cemetery, it's the place where all soldiers who have gone on and in wars have come, and they're, they're buried there, many of them with their spouses and their family members. But it's a, basically it's a military cemetery. And when I walked on there, there was just a holy hush as I walked through there. Listen, as you, if you're a preacher, you go to lots of gravesides, you go to lots of funeral homes, but I've never been to one like this. And the markers were just simple white markers. Nothing extravagant, nothing big, no, no mausoleums, just simple white markers. Rows and rows of markers who people who have died for the cause of freedom that I can stand here tonight and tell you about Jesus. People who have died so that you could go home tonight and not be afraid of a German flag or a British flag, but you can go home in freedom under a United States of America flag because of the price that those men and those women paid so that you and I could be free. Do you know that principle right there is found in the person of Jesus Christ? First Peter chapter 2, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that being dead to sins should live to righteousness, and by whose stripes you were healed. In other words, he died so that you and I could be free. He died so that you and I can live and live life more abundantly. You understand the principles of God, the principles of Christ are found everywhere. Let's go on. How about ornithology? That's the study of birds. Let me play you a song tonight. This song here is called Handel's Messiah. There's a man who was, an, or who was a, a composer. His last name was Handel. He wrote a, a, a chorus, a choral arrangement called The Messiah. It's one of the most well-known choral arrangements in all of Western history. When I play it for you, you're going to understand it so that you can listen to it and listen to it closely. Are you ready? They say I lost the teenagers. <clears throat> that particular song, there was a man who took it, a scientist. He took that song and he played, he, he tried to, to dissect the frequency, took a particular instrument and got the frequency from it. 
And he wanted to know if that particular song, of course, which lifts up Jesus, is played the same frequency as played anywhere else. And he found something very interesting. Now, before I explain to what you like, what, what it was, it's very interesting. Let me tell you about anybody, is any early risers in the house? You get up before anybody else. Anybody get up before six? Keep your hands up. Before five. Before four. Somewhere between, does anybody just not ever go to bed? <laughs> Sometime around five in the morning, if you have birds in your air, you'll all of a sudden, it'll go from complete silence and you'll begin to hear birds. They'll begin chirping. Am I right? Some of you early risers. It could be completely quiet and all of a sudden you just listen and all of a sudden you'll begin. It's like somebody hits a little button. It hits a little button and they start, they start uh, chirping. And so it's interesting to me. I've kind of thought, well, what are the, you know, what are they chirping? Is it, is it like a rooster crows? You know, it's like they get up whenever and that just tells people that, we're, that, that, that they're awake or not. This particular scientist took the exact same frequency level and he applied it to those birds. And he realized the exact same frequency that was being used in Handel's Messiah was the exact same frequency that was being used when birds are chirping in the morning. Is there any chance that when the Bible tells us to let everything that has breath praise the Lord, is there any chance that when the Bible says to praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His hosts, Praise Him, sun, moon, stars, and all the light. Praise Him, heavens of heavens and waters above. Praise the Lord. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He has established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, alligators and all the deep. Fire and hail, snow, stormy wind, fulfilling His word. Mountains and all His fruitful trees. Beasts and all cattle, creeping things, and everything that flies in the air. Praise ye the Lord. Is it possible in the morning kind that birds begin to praise the name of Jesus? That they wake up the world, they wake up the morning, and the one thing that they say when they praise, they wake up and they begin to sing, and they begin to sing praises to Jesus Christ, the Lord of, Lord of King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you to know that even in birds, something is praising the Lord. They're going to find out, you mark my words in the days ahead, they're going to find out what, what, what uh, whales are saying what the different types of analyzers are saying, and they're going to see that truly, they genuinely do praise the name of the Lord. So not only do we see the Lord being praised in music, in birds, but we also see Him being praised in alcohol and drug recovery. In the 12-step process that they've come up with, it's not based on any kind of... It's based on biblical, but they don't use the name of Jesus. There's one of the steps that pretty much basically says this, Someone has to die so that others can live. The principle is this, that when somebody dies from alcohol and drug abuse, they take that story, they take that testimony, and they tell it to the group of those who are recovering. Because they know the power of the testimony of the person who has died will directly help those who are going through it to overcome, to not end up the same way that the one who died did. They'll tell the story of how it affected their family, how it affected their spouse, how it affected their children. And they tell the testimony to those that are in there because they realize this, there's power in telling somebody else's story. You understand it's the same thing that you and I do when we tell the story of Jesus Christ dying upon a cross. Throughout all of history, throughout the world, mankind has gone into the four corners of the world to tell the story of a man who died. And we tell that story as a testimony to everybody else who's still alive because we want them to know the power of the death of one in particular man. 
Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said it like this, tell them I was dead and now I live forevermore. There's power in telling the story of Jesus to all the world because it's a testimony to those that are still here. In botany, how many know what botany is? Study of plants. There's our resident doctor right there. Thank you, Pat. Botany is the study of plants. A seed doesn't produce fruit until it dies. Every seed in the ground, no matter what kind of strawberry seed, soybean seed, doesn't matter. It's not going to, it's not going to produce fruit until it dies. The seed is planted. It undergoes a sort of process called germination. When a sprout appears and grows into a full-fledged nut, that seed dies. It's dissolved from its seed into a liquid form and becomes part of the root system. The seed in the ground never begins to produce fruit until it dies. It becomes a part of the root system of that particular plant. Verse 35 of 1 Corinthians says, Someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what God of body do they come from? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So what happens when you die? What happens when you physically die? Your body, though it does, it's still going to live. It's not going to be the same seed that you came into you have right now. It's going to transform and it's going to change. Something's going to be different about your life because, my friend, the thing is, the beautiful part of the seed is when it begins to produce fruit. It's not in its best stage when it's still in the in the ground as a seed. Something wonderful happens as it becomes to be a part of something that produces fruit. This is not your best life right now. It's not going to work until you die and you're going to get a brand new body. And that which was incorruptible become corruptible. That was imperishable will become perishable become imperishable. Something wonderful happens the day that you die because that seed your body's going to die and you're going to rise up to a brand new life. John said it like this, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. First Corinthians, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall we brought to pass that saying is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is thy sing? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? The seed, when it dies, is going to live again. Study of the blood. How many know what that was called? Come on, Pat. Don't let me down. Study of the blood. Who? Phlebotomy? You might want to guess. Hematology. Very good. Who said that? Very good. It's the study of the blood. There's something powerful about the blood. The blood has a cleansing properties to it. The blood is flowing through your veins right now. It's cleaning your body as it's flowing. It absorbs the oxygen from the air in the lungs. It transports the oxygen to cells throughout the body. It removes waste, carbon dioxide, from the cells. In the lungs, the carbon dioxide moves from the blood to the air and is ex exhaled. Blood transports waste substances to the organs that remove and process them for elimination. It also has the ability to fight off infection. White blood cells are the disease-fighting components of the blood. 
They composed of just 1% of the blood, but they multiplied during infection or inflammation. Just as physical blood cleanses the body, the blood of Jesus cleanses those that, who have been called and called upon His name. Just as the physical blood cleanses the body, the blood of Jesus washes away every stain of sin in our lives. 1 John chapter 1, if we walk in the light, as He in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews chapter 10, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The blood of Jesus is what cleanses me from all sin. It's what makes me right in the eyes of God. When I stand before God in a white garment, that garment has been made white and stained, cleansed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's a power. We see that Jesus in His cross is ensconced in all of creation. His signature is in all of creation. Everywhere you go, you'll see the life, the story, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even archaeologists today, when they have to go find a place that they want to discover, some place that they want to begin to, to dig, they always check it with the Bible first because the Bible is the most accurate record that they have for archaeological discovery, of course, in the Middle East. And then the Bible says this, in Him is life. In Him is life. In Jesus is life. Now listen to me before we close tonight. Scientists believe that there's an energy that keeps everything going. They just don't know what it is. In your body right now, there's blood that's pumping. And they haven't figured out what's the energy source that keeps the blood pumping in your body. Because they think if they can tap into that energy source, they can keep blood pumping long after the person literally has stopped breathing and stopped blood stopped, stopped moving. They believe that there's an energy that works in the blood that causes it to flow. And scientists also believe that there's an energy that keeps the earth axis spinning. They know that it has something to do with gravity, but they don't know what it is that actually holds the gravity in place. Something keeps this earth spinning on its axis at the exact same speed throughout the year. They know what it is, they just don't know what the power source is. There's a force that keeps the, the earth from running off into space. They don't know why the earth is perfectly, the circle around the sun is perfect. They don't know what the force is that keeps it in place. Once again, they know it's gravity, they just don't know what holds gravity in the place. They're not sure if specifically how the world works. They just know there's a power to force that keeps things going. They're just not sure what it is. But here it is tonight. I'm going to tell you exactly what that force is. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 17. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. In Him all things have their movement, have their being. There is a power that keeps the world functioning, the world going. It keeps life moving forward. And that power is the power of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest power source the world has ever seen. Greater than solar power. Greater than nuclear power. Greater than all the powers of the combined militaries of the world. The power that keeps the world going is the power of Jesus Christ. He upholds everything by His right hand. And my friend, this world is in dire, desperate need today. They're trying everything they can to keep, to keep the power moving forward. 
This person's in power. This person's in power. We don't know what to do or how to do it. We just know that we need something. We need some kind of power to keep us going forward. I'm here tonight to tell you that the power that this world needs is the same power that I need. And that is the power of Jesus. Father, tonight in the name of Jesus, what a powerful name. Science doesn't keep the world moving forward. Mankind has not developed a technology to keep the world moving forward. Never will. But God, there's a power that's been given. Keeps the world working. Keeps the universe in play. Keeps nature moving. Keeps the cells in our body moving. It's the power that helps these people here tonight. And God, it would behoove us tonight if every single person tapped into that power tonight. It's the power of Jesus on the inside of us. It's the hope of glory, as we said this morning. And I pray in just a moment of time as we just prepare to gather, I pray not one person will miss out on tapping into the power of God. And I thank you for what you're just about to do, God. I thank you in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that we walk out of here knowing what the, the direction of the world's going and knowing what the power source is. I give you praise and thanks and ask it in Jesus' name. Tonight, let me ask you just a couple of questions. If you're sick in your body, there's a power source that you need to tap into tonight. And his name is Jesus. Tonight, I want to ask you a question. If you have kids that are away from God and you need a power source to tap into, so they'll come back to God. My friend, that power source is Jesus. If you struggle in life, no matter what it is, if you don't do math very good, if you're struggling in your mind, struggling in your job, struggling wherever you might be, it doesn't matter because it's the same power source works for everything. You don't need double A for this over here and triple A for this. You just need Jesus. So tonight I'm just asking you, do you have a need? Do you have a need? Come on, be honest with me for just a minute. Be honest before God. Do you have a need? Financial need? Go ahead and plug into the power source. Feel hopeless? Plug into the power source. Discouraged, plug in the power source. I'm depressed, plug in the power source. Are you ready? I'm going to invite you up in just a minute. Put you bow your heads. We'll just start praying. Just right where you start praying. Tell God, talk to God like you would talk to a friend. And tell him, God, here I am tonight. And I just lack. I know where my power source is. Maybe you need power to be a Christian, to be a witness for God. Tap into the power source tonight. In the name of Jesus. 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 God, Holy Ghost, pour out upon us tonight. Pour out upon us. We're a needy people. We're a weak people, but we know where, the, where our strength lies from. It's the same strength that's in creation. The same strength that's in the blood. It's the same strength that's in, in space. It's the same strength that's in the recovery addict. It's the same strength power of God. It's the power of Jesus. God, we're needy people tonight. Are you ready? Come on, just, just in about three seconds, I'm going to invite you forward. I want you to come, and when I want you to come, find you a place to pray. Stay and kneel, but I want you to come and say, God, tonight I need to tap in. I need to tap in tonight. If it's the power in ministry, tap in tonight. Are you ready? Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grow your faith. 
If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.bethelnet.org. Thank you.